Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. Exciting news, listeners. The Free Birth Society apparel store has opened. Head on over to freebirthsociety.com and check out the adorable onesies and toddler shirts, adult tank tops, hoodies, and more, all celebrating messages of free birth. Again, that's www.freebirthsociety.com. Who knows what an FBA5C is? That's a free birth after five C-sections. This episode goes out to all the moms with previous C-sections being told that subsequent C-sections is the only way. Carrie from Southern California tells us her story of needing to find a better way with her sixth baby. And with no one in the medical models willing to support her, she stayed at home with her husband and birthed her baby in her bathtub. She is freshly postpartum at the time of this recording, basking in the ease of recovery and the newfound joy of breastfeeding after her first vaginal birth. start at the beginning with your first birth. So just tell me a little bit about the background of the, of the births and, and you know, why they were C-sections and was the subsequent C-sections just because the first one was, or, you know, just give me a little bit of background of your birthing, um, or your prenatal, you know, history before we get to the, the sixth baby. Okay. So I think this is kind of where I've had the problem starting writing my story because I think my story actually starts from my birth because it was such a, my family, I'm not particularly religious, but my mom and my um, grandmother were very religious, but they were Christian science, which is a type of Christianity that doesn't believe in the medical side of life. They believe if you're sick, you go to a Christian science practitioner, you know, you don't, you don't seek medical attention for anything. So obviously I was a home birth. Um, my mom was 41 when she had me. So I have a lot of pictures. I don't have a lot. My mom passed away when I was 18 months old. So I think I don't have a lot of pictures of her other than when I was very, very first born and when she was in labor with me. So I think through birth, I actually connected to her. Uh, I don't know how to kind of put that all together, but my family never really spoke of her and they never really like connected. She was never really present in my life. I have older siblings than, um, I have a sister who's 21 years older than I am. Oh wow. And then, yeah. So big gap. And then, um, three brothers in the middle, but the next oldest sibling was eight years older than I was. Um, he just recently passed away. That's why he used past tense, Mm. but she, she just was never really present. So I never had a strong female other than through birth. So I always really looked forward to birthing my first child like feeling like that would be another way for us to kind of connect. Totally. Um, but then I got pregnant <laughs> and then, um, so my, my boyfriend and I had met in high school and this is three years later, we met here in Northern California. And then when he graduated, we moved to Florida. So whatever little support I actually had from family, it's just a crazy, you know, childhood story kind of thing. I left here. So mm-hmm. when we got to Florida, 
and I became pregnant, I didn't have any, any support. His family hated me. Like it was, it was, it was kind of another kind of conundrum because they really didn't like me, but there was his father's brother. So his uncle, who was kind of a beloved member of their family had colon cancer and he passed away the week we found out we were pregnant with our first daughter. Whoa. Yeah, it was, I mean, there's just so many things that kind of connect up like that. So they didn't particularly care for me, but they were very excited that there was a baby coming. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't a part of that equation as far as caring for me or, and I didn't, I didn't have any self-confidence really at that time. I was, you know, kind of trying to figure, you know, you're, you're early twenties, you're trying to figure life out. That's hard enough on its own. And then I had all these other factors come into it. So yeah. it just, I was lost from the beginning. I really, when I look back at it, I almost had, I was a sitting duck. I was a beautiful wrap package for a nice surgical doctor when I walked into that mm-hmm. office, you know? Um, so to the actual birth, the pregnancy, I have, um, hypermesis garvidium. I don't know how to say the last one. It's HG for short, but that's like severe pregnancy sickness. The first pregnancy wasn't the worst. They all got worse, but oh, that's man. how I found out I was pregnant. Oh, man, this last one, he, I ended up in the hospital for a week and a half in the very beginning of his pregnancy because my potassium was so low, like, I, my organs were about to fail. Whoa. It, it was terrible. Um, and there's, so no, though, there's no way to prevent that, right? It just happens to uh, some bodies. Um, the more that I'm researching the natural side of things, there's ways, I don't know if prevention, we had, we've also had six losses. So the loss right before we had him, I was doing, um, milk thistle before I got pregnant, a supplement of milk thistle. And I had zero HG symptoms at all. Now, of course I lost the pregnancy, so Mm. it's kind of hard to, you know, say what was what, like yeah. maybe milk thistle. I don't know. But there are things that some women have really found some, some good relief with, you know, it's a crap shoot every pregnancy. You, yeah. you might, you might not. Totally. Yeah. So you've had, you've had it. HG with all six of your live birth babies. Yeah. Good times. Number wow. four was the entire pregnancy. Oh. The rest of all these. Oh yeah. She, oh man. I with with other kids. date. Yeah, right? <laughs> with other, Cut me with open. other kids to, to tend to. That's uh, hardcore. Thank, thank gosh the older ones are girl. And not that, you know, male children aren't as attentive, but I have little mother hens, you know, subsequent mother hens. So I've had more help the more babies I've had, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we're in Florida. You're pregnant. You start family to get, hates me. Family hates you. Not a great, <laughs> not a great setup. And you're young. You're in your early twenties. And so you start having some sickness symptoms, pregnancy symptoms. And you're with an OB. Yeah, and then you know, I was a waitress. My boyfriend was a waitress. And now I speak of my boyfriend. We're you know going on our what is this? 2017. We got married in 2003. So we're now happily married 17 years later yeah. or 14 years later. Um, but he was so your yeah. boyfriend at the time. Yeah. He was boyfriend at the time. Um, we get state insurance. I think that plays a part into it, you know? So I just felt like a wrapped up package other than the HG that the pregnancy was completely normal. Um, I did that, that test at 18 weeks, the blood test where they 
you know, try to scare the shit out of you where the baby has Down syndrome and all of that stuff. So they told us that she had Down syndrome. Oh, my gosh. I know. And then they wanted us to do the amnio, which the risk of something terrible, catastrophic happening from the amnio, that percentage of risk was higher than the percentage of risk of her having Down syndrome. So we declined all of that. And then to come find out the lab had the wrong date. <gasps> when they switched the date, she had no chance of having Down syndrome. You know, oh it's just stuff like gosh. that. <laughs> You're, it's, and it's, it's high volume routine care. And it's little pieces like that where you start to realize they don't know it all. You know, they don't have all the answers. They're human. They're, you know, they're reading the same Fallible. textbooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you don't see it. But looking back, there are all these steps that created this pathway to where, how we got here, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I go into labor the day before my due date. I actually didn't feel the first um, set of contractions. I had an appointment with they called it a midwife then, but it was like an OB practice with a midwife there. Mm-hmm. So it did, there, in my idea of midwifery, she did not fit that bill. But, you know, she was the lady that I saw at an OB office. Totally. Yeah, a midwife. The, the CNMs <laughs> are under the obstetrical model, so they can look mother-friendly or look, uh, yeah, more supportive. And then you find out another word for them is medwives. That is a fantastic word for mm-hmm. her because that's exactly what she was. So she did an uh, internal exam, asked me if I felt, you know, the contractions. I said no. She said, well, we'll be seeing you later this afternoon. Go home, eat, rest, walk, all that stuff. Exactly as she said, went to the hospital probably around noon, they said, um, to come back when they were stronger and closer together. So I think around 4 or 5. I was watching Oprah, and that's when Oprah was on at four every day. So mm-hmm. that's how I remember. It was like four <laughs> or five in the afternoon. Uh, my water broke, and they just got crazy intense, the contractions. I don't even really remember them or any part of this story. This is just kind of the regurgitated version that I've heard from my husband and his family. But I just remember it being very intense, and I, I had no control from the beginning. You know, I lost it from the beginning, so... It was like a scene from a movie. They're running the red lights, and I'm half hung over the back seat, screaming. We get to the hospital, and they got me in the wheelchair, running me up the stairs. And I, I vaguely it's so, remember. It's so dramatic leaving the home, huh? Oh, it's so dramatic. It was like, you know, clowns. One's running yeah. this way, runs, and I'm just standing there, like, hello, hi, me. <laughs> One, you know, actually. In labor, but there, like I said, it wasn't even about me. It was about the picture, I think, and about like, like, I guess what what you see on TV or the story or you know how it's supposed to sound when you're done. You know, we got her and we rushed her to the hospital and she barely made it in the room. That's how I felt. I felt like I was part of a story mm-hmm. that wasn't even really going to happen. So, how were you treated upon arrival and getting admitted and? Well, again, I vaguely, you know, it's, it's, it's sketchy what I remember. I remember the, the, um, registration nurse for back better of a, you know, lack of a better word, trying to get me to stop and sign papers. And that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, no, no ability to do that. Um, getting upstairs. I, I kind of remember them just kind of rotating me between the shower and the birthing ball and kind of like. It, it was more like they were trying to get my screaming under control than mm. actually trying to to help me, if that makes sense. 
Um, I remember a lot of like, shh, shh, be quiet. You know, you can't yell like that. You can't. Ew. Oh, I just, I remember just feeling more and more like a, a shriveling flower. Like I was just physically closing Ugh. myself down. So then I got the epidural, which was, yeah, you know, of at, at that time, lovely. And I never intended not to get an epidural, never even crossed my mind not to get an epidural. Uh, got the epidural. Everything was great. Fully dilated. I never felt, you know, the urge to push. They just checked me and said, you know, you're 10 time to push. Um, even when I was pushing, I don't ever really remember feeling the urge to push and they always had to tell me, okay, you're having a contraction. Mm -hmm. Now you have to push. But I remember having like bowel movements while I was pushing and Mm -hmm. then the nurses like saying things about it. And I, and again, I can just feel myself straight. And I, I never, from the moment I stepped in the, I never really thought about it, but from the minute I stepped in the hospital, I never envisioned myself vaginally delivering my child. Wow. Like it never, it never connected. Mm. I, I almost knew it wasn't going to work. And I don't know that I was ready in my life journey maybe for that. I don't know. I don't know. It, I well, just knew and it I wasn't going to work. You're, you're pointing to such a significant issue with hospital birth that, you were, before you arrived at the hospital, you were a wild woman. You were a wild woman in labor, right? You're screaming, Absolutely. you're moving around. It's all, you know, it's wild, right? And that, that is physiological birth. Physiological birth is freaking wild. And that does not fit into the model of what is acceptable on labor and delivery. You need to be contained. You need to not scare the other rooms. You need to be manageable. And so everything organizes around you numbing out with an epidural so that you can be a good girl. Right. Right? I mean, that's... that's, so what it felt like. Well, and what you're saying about the shriveled up flower, gosh, it's just such a perfect description I've seen that so many times in, in attended births. That's exactly what it feels like is these wild birthing women have no space to be, you know, and to have what their process, which is completely normal, but absolutely unacceptable in this very paternalistic model of birth, which is shut up, lay down and be a good girl and do as we say. And so, you know, it's, it's, you're just, you're speaking to such a rooted problem, you know, of, of what we're seeing in our culture in the last, whatever, hundred years or so. And I totally feel like if there had been that one voice saying, this is normal, you know, you're, you're, don't be scared. It's okay. You know, if somebody would have been that voice for me, uh, I'm a cry baby, just let you know too. So it's not going to be the first time. Yeah, it's okay. Right. And, and how little is that to ask for if you could have had some person on your team normalizing it? I mean, that is like the bottom of the barrel request, you know? And like, even if along the lines, you know, if somewhere in education, like there's real education in what, you know, stop worrying about civics and economics. Let's go back to the basics and let's, let's tell people it's okay. You know, it's okay to be so many things, but this, there's still this area where it's not okay, you know, well, and it's, it, it needs to be okay. Yeah. It's not okay in this patriarchal culture. It's not okay to be a wild, powerful woman, you know? No, no, they don't like it. They really don't. 
So you felt uh, very silenced, it sounds like. And, and embarrassed, ugh. you know, and just, I was just, I was done at that point. Now you're talking like one o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and my midwife appointment was probably at nine o'clock in the morning. So, you Big know, day. we're, more, yeah, it's just been hours and hours of feeling like just unsure. And mm-hmm. I think mentally I was just excited. So, you know, after three hours of pushing, uh, Justin, my husband said he could see her head. So, you know, she was there, Whoa. you know, he, he could see the crowning. He could see when they finally took her out by the C-section, her head was so elongated from being, she was there, you know, she was there and we were there and it just didn't, didn't come out. I wonder why if she was so low, they didn't do vacuum yeah, I don't or know. even forceps versus a C-section. Do it you- was never even an option. Do you know, think. like, the technical reason for the surgical birth? My pelvis is too small, you know, whatever that, oh, that medical bullshit. word. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's so small that she's right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on your back. On your right. back. On an epidural. Being shamed. Nobody telling you you can do it. And then we're going to say your pelvis is too small. Oh, my God. That is... We're- we're going to make it the smallest we can make it. Right. We're going to make it the worst circumstances for if your pelvis is smaller, if it is anything, you know, we're going to make it odds so stacked against you. There's mm-hmm. no, and then no blame, shot. Blame your body. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So you got all the way to the end with her right there and then you roll in for surgery. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is yeah. a, a painful tale. <laughs> it was. It was. It was painful to to think, you know, coming out of the surgery to think that we were right there. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of VBAC before, but from, you know, recovery on, that had become my mission as I knew I was going to have baby two, a vaginal birth. Okay. So what not was... knowing that it was a thing. <laughs> cool. So what was your, what was your recovery like and processing of that birth and then lead us into your subsequent births? So recovery is terrible as in every C-section, you know, it gets easier. Um, the more you have, because you learn kind of tips and tricks for dealing with things, but it's just, it's excruciating breastfeeding now knowing because I have a reference, the difference in breastfeeding between having a C-section and vaginal birth, definitely the reason why breastfeeding was so difficult for me. Oh yeah. You have, you have huge hormonal gaps. And just the physical healing, you know, it was very painful and yeah, it was just terrible, but I hated it. I hated the recovery. That's definitely the worst part for me. I never really had fear going into the surgeries. I never really had like anxiety around C-sections, but I just, the recovery was always brutal. Yeah. The thing in the back of my head that was like, do you really want to do this again? Mm. You know? So you spend your whole second pregnancy preparing for a VBAC? Yep. Found, did my research, found, found out first of all, that VBAC's a thing, Mm -hmm. then found, you know, the doctor in town that's the most VBAC friendly that they all say. And, um, he, he seemed very supportive all the way through. And so this is, you know, baby New Jersey, baby number two that we've kept having the nosebleeds for. And these nosebleeds were like, wasn't just like a bloody nose. It was like huge clots. Anyway, it, it became concerning. Yeah. So the weekend before she was born, we went to the fair and I had another huge one. So I just called him Monday morning to say, you know, is this something that I should be, is it a sign or a symptom of anything basically? Mm-hmm. 
And he said, well, why don't you just come in and we'll just check you out. Went in and he said, oh, gosh, you know, this baby is getting so big and huge. And I really think that, you know, given your previous medical history, I really don't feel like she's going to fit. And I feel like you're 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 going to just you're going to set yourself up to fail and you're going to go into surgery. You're going to go into surgery um, under like, yeah, emergency Mm -hmm. circumstances. And we would rather classic. Yeah, we would rather you just go down and fill out the paperwork and set yourself up for surgery on Friday. Yeah, basically how that appointment. Let's control this environment. It's a lot easier. Uh, And I'm 38 weeks at this point. So, you know, not even close. Okay, How'd you so feel? Then, so that doesn't even sound like that had anything to do with that he knew anything about your nosebleed situation. He never even really addressed it. That it was so crazy. Like it, the appointment just became about pre-registering at the hospital and getting ready for surgery on Friday. They're so freaking sneaky. <laughs> it's like, and, and I didn't even know how I got there. Right. And in that one conversation, that whole nine months of building myself mm-hmm. up for this one experience. I was like, all right, we're going for C-section totally. on Friday. It's like, it's like days you leave and you're like, I think I just scheduled surgery. That's it's exactly how it felt. Totally. I've, I've had, you know, many birth clients that, you know, they hire me. They're all about having a normal birth. And around their due date, they'll call me and they'll be like, I think I just scheduled a C-section. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, I you felt are like not the only one. Not at all. Look, you are in a very vulnerable state at that time and very, quite frankly, easily influenced. And that's why it's so important, you know, that we consciously choose who our team is and that we really trust them and know them because – you know, a, a woman fading into labor and into that like end of labor time is pretty easily influenced for better or worse. And so if everyone around them is, you know, flooding them with confidence and love, she's really going to feel that. And if everyone around them, her is doubting her and doubting her baby and manipulating her and coercing her, well, she's going to respond to that. It's extremely hard to stand your ground. First of all, against the medical model, just period, anybody, you know, right. I mean, and then adding the pregnancy and then you have these nosebleeds, which you feel like maybe there's something cause you don't know what they are, but no one's really addressing them. Oh, it's so infuriating. Well, it gets even better. So then we leave that appointment and we go home and the minute my husband sticks the key in the lock and turns like the lock clicks and my water breaks at the exact same time. <laughs> oh my God. Right. So what are the odds? So then we're like, Oh, we're already set up at the hospital for, you know, to come in. And it was just, it was so convenient. And it was like, I didn't have to be scared. I didn't have to worry about if, cause really my life circumstances hadn't changed hmm. all that much. So I'm still, you know, unsupported, not confident, yada, yada, yada. So C-section number two. Yeah. And then from there, they were just, you know, I I looked a little into it with um, number four, but she was the one that I was sick with the whole time. So then it was like I didn't even have it in me. Mm-hmm. Number five, I really kind of looked into it. I gave it a good, good hee-hove in the beginning, and really I called a bunch of midwives, um, and I just – 
I felt like I had to prove and fight so hard that it just became not worth it. Like, yeah, it just became so exhausting. I couldn't enjoy the pregnancy. I couldn't enjoy the kids. I couldn't, it was just a constant mental battle. It it just was too much. And to have to rally all of this like confidence in this potential plan by yourself when nobody around you, you know, is trained to think that it's a good idea. When at the end of the day, this happened to you. You didn't need a C-section. This happened to you by the circumstances that you were in, which is unfortunately incredibly common in this country and around the world. So this thing happens to you. And then the only response in the medical community is to continue doing it to you. It's just... It's so, so messed up. It just, like, it blows my mind that people aren't angrier about the VBAC ban, you know, across the country. And how is that even a thing? I just, I don't get how your body and your decisions are just taken away. It, it, it's mind-boggling to me that that there's a conversation even about whether it's an option or not. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's an option or not? It's my, you know, if I want to go get a red shirt or a pink shirt, I don't have to consult somebody and say, you know, which one really looks better on me. It's, it's right. my choice. But there's not, you know, a couple generations deep of faulty science saying that the red shirt is going to kill you. You know, it's, it's, you know, part of this, I'd say one of the fundamental problems is that the doctor in our society has full autonomy. You know, he or she gets, the, the state sides with the doctor, right? The doctor is God. What, right. what God says goes. And it is assumed or presumed that the doctor is going to make the safest decision. And the state supports that. The problem is, Nobody is siding or fighting for the woman to make her own decisions because our culture doesn't trust women. Our culture trusts doctors. Our culture doesn't trust women in any arena. We don't see that anywhere, right? So, you know, this whole VBAC thing is one of the biggest um, kind of feminist issues out there because you are not supported. I mean, you, you, as I'm sure we'll get to with your sixth baby, once you've had a couple of C-sections, you can't find anyone to support you. There's Maybe. like three doctors in the entire country right. that will allow you to allow you mm-hmm. to V-back after many, you know, C-sections in a, in a medical. And you're really talking like Texas, Florida, you're spread out. All and over guaranteed the it's on their terms. They're going to have very specific things. Um, you know, some that I know in LA require epidurals, you know, whatever they have like their own, you know, it's still on their terms. It's not, it's not actually with the woman. Yeah. So, okay. So you have five C-sections and how do those, how does those experiences, I mean, by the fifth one, it sounds like VBAC is still kind of whispering in your ear, but you know, you, you don't have, you don't know what to do about that or how to achieve that. And so walk me into what happens with the sixth pregnancy. So free birth is not ever something I heard of until after the fifth C-section. Knowing that I could V back after many, I had, um, I had done, you know, research. I had found stories. They are as hard as they are to find. They are out there. 
um, of six women who have had successful vaginal births after many cesarean sections. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, with the fifth one, I, I, I put some good effort into it and then just decided to scrap the plan after I had him, the recovery just felt very like, if I'm going to have more kids, I cannot do this again. I cannot recover like this again. I can't not have that instant. The way I try to describe it to people and especially now having the comparison, Mm -hmm. Um, I always loved my babies and I always felt very mother bear as soon as they were born, but I don't know that I ever really felt like in, in love with them or like, like googly. I felt very more like, um, like just, I had to take care of them and make sure that they were, you know, their needs were met, but I wasn't really like, I just want to be with them, you know? And I think that's, that's important in that that connection seems to not, or it's harder to make when it's a surgical birth rather than a, a vaginal birth. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's the hormonal gaps I mentioned earlier, you know, the spike of oxytocin, prolactin, beta endorphins, you know, the spike that you experience with the baby when you have baby immediately on you and with you and you're smelling the baby and you're, you know, exchanging all of those hormones in the first hour that gets taken away with the C-section you know, yeah, maybe they like bring the baby to you and you give it a little kiss, but you're not having, you know, sometimes moms aren't even conscious, much less like with it, you know, it's, it's major, major, major hormonal separation for quite some time. And, you know, I mean, those hormonal gaps, you don't get those back, you know, right. they, they, they either happen, you either have the full hormonal blueprint of physiological birth or you don't. Right. And, and people I told- get really, um, you know, it's hard to talk to women about this sometimes who have had C-sections because it's easily interpreted, you know, like, well, I want, I, I, the thing that I want to say is that they're missing something and then they get very defensive, but they are missing something. This is, this is proven. This is a known thing. You are missing hormonal exchanges with your newborn if you have separation after birth, it's just, it's true. And it's freaking tragic. And it, 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 it's funny because it's, I have the perspective of both lenses because now I, I, I was defensive. And when people would say that, I'd be like, I'm not missing, you know, I love my child. Like you, you don't, you don't even know you're missing something. I think if you've never had that experience, you don't even realize that you're missing something because it's so profound and it's so much, bigger than you can put into words that you say, you know, you love your baby. It's just, it's a whole different, it's an, an engulfment of love and of love for yourself. You Mm -hmm. find this, like this new you kind of, you know, and it's, it's a total process that you lose totally in, in, in birthing through. Well, yeah. And and birthing, you know, it really can make or break a woman, you know, it not necessarily does either. Sometimes they're somewhere in the middle, but I've seen birth absolutely break a woman, you know, not normal birth, but unexpected surgical birth or, you know, being violated in their birth or having their freedom stripped away. Um, I've seen how that affects their confidence and, and them, you know, not feeling like they can trust their maternal instincts. And, you know, and then I've seen women who have had normal physiological births and it's cured eating disorders and it's cured self-hatred. And, you know, I've watched how it's like what you just said. I mean, the level of self-love that you can access through having this normal hormonal and physiological experience 
you know, it's, I mean, I'm a broken record, but of course the patriarchy wants to hold that down. Of course it's dangerous to have generations of women walking around feeling powerful. You know, a lot of industries would fall if the average woman was walking around feeling confident and strong in her body and in her space. Totally, 100% agree. So you hear about free birth and does something just click? Like what, what happens? So that's, I actually, that's pretty I find wild. It, it is to go from not knowing to, you know, experiencing. So then I found some Facebook groups that were, um, vaginal birth after many C-section Facebook groups. And it just kind of naturally led from, from being in, in that environment where, you know, it's positive thinking in that arena. Mm-hmm. Then you just, you naturally connect with people that you just bounce. And then finally I found indie birth and mm. then through that kind of started just researching the idea of like, Oh shit, you mean I can have my own baby in my own house all <laughs> by myself? Like it'll really just happen like that. Oh wow. Gosh. And how, how far we've like detached from our normal biological reality that that is such a radical and, and new concept to, to, to all of us, you know, not just you. I mean, to everybody, you know, that first time that we think, oh, I could just have my baby at home by myself. Like, you know, I, I mean, I remember the exact moment I had that thought too and was like, wow, that is the most normal and obvious idea I have ever heard. But wow, how far how many steps we've gone to, to be disassociated from that. Perfect word. Perfect word. Yeah. No, it, and for me, it's even more crazy because like I said, in the beginning of all this, that's my connection to my mom, you know, Mm -hmm. like I've always in Mm -hmm. my, I guess maybe in my heart, I always knew that that was my route, but my head took me differently or, or my, my life. I don't know. You know, I'm still really trying to process it's like a, a a chapter has ended and started in in all of that all at the same time and it's well and there's still something very processing very beautiful about you know that that there was a there was a whisper or a scream in every birth that you had bringing you back to vaginal birth you know i mean obviously right like that that was something that you never let up on you never just fully succumb to it as we're about to get into with your sixth story. And, you know, maybe that is your mom inside you. And maybe that is that beautiful blueprint that she gave you, you know, that you, you have a blueprint for normal, you know, home birth in you and your life and and the culture you were in and the lack of support system and, you know, blah, 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 blah. All of these things were completely stacked against you, but you have a blueprint that kept coming up and kept pulling you back to, having the birth that you finally had. I, I totally, it's, it's like the whisper of the souls that, you know, your children are out there, you know, you, you know, when you're on a path, you know, you, you feel like when you're not fighting the stream that you're on the right path. And Mm -hmm. it, it kind of felt like I had to, had to succumb all the way to, to find my voice. I had to be to be, you know, broken down all the way Mm -hmm. to be like, all right, that's enough. You know, like to the point of like, I don't have to go in and fight you. I don't have to go in and, and stand my ground and really, I just, I don't have to go in at all. Right. You know, what a, what a, <laughs> exactly. a beautiful freedom. Like I, 
you you can think what you want to think and you can birth babies the way you want to birth. I don't have to do it that way. It was, it was really just a, a freeing thing. Mm. It was beautiful. Yeah. So at what point in your pregnancy with this little guy did you align to this free birth? <laughs> so now it gets crazy. Um, on a whim, we decided to sell our house in Florida last summer. So we had a really sad miscarriage. The baby, the pregnancy before him, we miscarried at 13 weeks. Mm. And it was like I had a labor and I had, I actually delivered something. So I think that in a weird way was kind of like a, oh yeah, your body really can actually, you know, it, it, unfortunately that pregnancy didn't, you know, carry the term, but it, it taught me a lesson all, all its own that, you know, e- even in those early weeks, your body still can labor and deliver. And I was in labor for two days, which I just now connected the dots. When you hear the story, it's almost identical. Hmm. That miscarriage labor was almost identical to this labor. Oh, very weird. Wow. Cool. Yeah, really cool. So on a whim, we decided to sell our house in Florida and move across the country to Portland, Oregon. Um, We did that in about a three-week time period. Sold our house, packed it all up, sold everything, and packed our minivan and five kids and a dog and (laughs) (laughs) hit the road. Got to Portland, decided we didn't like Portland, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then decided, okay, so now what? Um, Our quick plan B was to buy a travel trailer and a truck and to travel the country Got as far as Southern California, where my husband's family all was. Kind of hung out here for a minute, and then, bada bing, bada boom, found out we were pregnant. Oh wow! Um, so after the fifth birth, I always thought, okay, if I do this again, I'm doing free birth, no doubt. Just just gonna happen that way. So you had heard about free birth after your fifth, before this little guy came. Right. In between fifth and sixth, I really got involved in the Facebook um, groups and that led me to the indie birth group and that led me to the idea of unassisted or free birth and, mm-hmm. and all of that. <clears throat> so, and, and as far as research goes, I never really, I read some books, you know, the um, spiritual midwifery book, Ina, Ina Gaskin, mm-hmm. is that her name? Uh, birth partner, maybe a doula book here or there, but I never really um, threw that much into, like, I never really wanted to psych myself out too much. I didn't want to make it bigger or harder or more than it needed to be. I wanted to have, you know, some basic ideas of if A happens, do B, or if B happens, C is an option or whatever, but I never really wanted to, like, make it such a big deal that it it was bigger than what it was, Mm -hmm. you know. All right, so we sell the house, buy the travel trailer, end up in Southern California, end up pregnant. Um, so I like to I call myself like a soft granola bar. I'm like part crunchy, but I'm still kind of basic. Hey, you know, I do Starbucks and Target, but, you know, I, I don't do medicine. I eat organic, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of somewhere in the middle. So somewhere in that thinking was like, okay, we got to sell the truck and the travel trailer and get serious now and get a house and figure out what to do before the baby's born. Um then the HG, like I said, got really, really bad with him, mm. the worst that it's ever been. So then I kind of fumbled back into the medical world, yeah, just having to with being sick with him. And then, again, kind of just wavering. I just was on this line like maybe, maybe not. So then we started looking for doctors, still always toying with the idea, but still kind of like maybe because everything was kind of um, upheaval mm-hmm. and, and – 
everything was so unsure and shaky that I was like, okay, maybe this isn't the time to do this. And where's your, your husband falling on all of this? He's so, he's amazing. He's like the most amazing person. He's just, he's so connected to instinct and to intuition that he was just like, whatever you want to do, do, you know, I, I know I know you're going to make the best decision hmm. with us in mind, you know, with, with the whole team, we, we call ourselves a team or a pack, of course, with the whole pack in, in mind, you know? So he never, that's awesome. And he's a kind of buck the system kind of person anyway. So he, you know, he's always in the background kind of like, do it, do yeah. it, you know, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been an evolution. That wasn't always in the beginning, you know, but as we both, grown over the years and, and educated ourselves in different areas. Yeah. He's definitely always been team stay home. So then I'm, I'm back to trying to find a doctor, trying to find adequate care. Um, we ended up in San Diego, at a doctor's office. There's a big children's hospital, uh, baby and children's hospital down there. I can't think of the name at the moment. But I thought, well, if I have a C-section, that would be a good hospital at least to be in in, you know, these circumstances. And then, fat, then you know, I don't do the glucose testing. That's always an issue. I don't do the, the triple screen. That's what that blood test is called. I, that's always an issue. I don't want any vaginal checks. That's always an issue. So I went to like three. I went to the one appointment in San Diego and just decided the drive was too far. Found an OB out here went to two appointments and just felt like I can't do the cattle call anymore. I can't, I, I just don't have it in me. It's almost laughable. I just go in and they're like, you can't do this. And I just laugh and walk out. Cause I don't, I'm not going to fight. Like I said, I don't have, and it doesn't do you any good. You, you are a grown ass woman. <laughs> like this is not about a seven year old that doesn't want to whatever, eat their right. dinner, do their homework. Like it is so insane that women are treated this way and also allow themselves to be treated this way. I mean, my gosh. Uh, and um, And maybe, you know, Maybe there just needs to be a mixed bag of us, the ones that go in there, you know, with their pitchforks right, and their torches right. and ready to, <laughs> to, you know, skewer every doctor that comes their way. And, and maybe there's the other ones of us that need to fight the fight in our own home. You know, I have of four course. daughters. I mean, that, it, would they be, got to see it. it would be great if women understood their legal rights and if they still chose to be under the obstetrical model, if they went in perfectly grounded and said... I will expect informed consent. You know, this is what informed consent means. This is my right to refusal. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've joked a number of times of, of going into labor, you know, and, and actually bringing a lawyer with you, you know. And, I mean, I'm not kidding. I actually might put a lawyer on retainer for my free birth because I am not fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if something were to happen where we did need medical attendance in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's scary. Like you're talking about giving birth yeah. and having to legally protect yourself at the, in the same set. Like it, yep. it just makes, makes no logical sense, common sense, you know? Well, we, we really have to face the fact that we are in a culture that does not care for moms. It does not care for no. babies. It does not care for women. I mean, women are not free. 
You know, and, no. and, and, and women don't, especially privileged women, especially white women, don't really seem to understand this because we can run our own businesses and we can get in a car and do whatever we want. That does not make us free. I mean, right. because we obviously can't do whatever we want. You know, we have serious limitations to our reproductive rights in 2017. White women voted for the person who's in office who is limiting us right now. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Oh, it's just mind blowing. It's really sad. We really fight against ourselves. You know, we, we, we really, you know, and back to what you were saying earlier, I mean, there's no, there's no education in this. And also on the obstetrical side, doctors aren't being taught informed consent. They're not being taught that they're being taught. It's your turf. You know, it's your turf. People are coming here for your help. You get to do what you want. Well, and they're not even, the doctors aren't even being taught true statistical information regarding VBAC and, and the risks and all of that. No, it's because all what fear they're, and convenience. Yeah, they're telling you like you're going to die when you're <laughs> at the very highest risk. You're at 2%. Like, hello. Like, Those well, are you, pretty good odds. Yeah. You, have, you have a higher chance of getting hit by a car on your way to the hospital. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, it's uh. incredible. Okay, so, okay, so wait, we're we're in the LA area. You okay. are pretty over your OB appointments. Done. And at this point, are you like, okay, I'm just gonna stay home and see what happens? I think I just was kind of living in this like bubble of somehow this magical answer is gonna just come and float down and um, you know land on my lap and. And I'll know when I know how I know when I know. Like, sure. I just, I really, I was really trying to not put any pressure on myself and kind of mm -hmm. leave every door and every window cracked at least somewhat so that I've been very um, known in my life to to be very left or very right, all, all or nothing kind of person. And I'm, I'm trying to find more gray area and more options and more not committing to to a team or to a, to a decision without giving myself all the options, you know? So it was a very, just see how it goes approach. Yep. I was just kind of living every day and taking it as it came. So then what happened? Um, so then I think it was like 35 or 36 weeks. I got a kidney infection. Oh no. Holy every expletive in the book. <laughs> oh oh no. man. I didn't, I thought it was labor is what I thought it was. And then I thought I was dying, like really thought I was dying. I could not, the pain, and now going through labor, the kidney infection was 20 times worse. I would not ever wish that on anybody. So then back to the hospital, you know, and now I'm back admitted and I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling like Ugh. a cat, I just back, the bed is so uh. and the pain is stabbing in my back and I'm having to take morphine. Oh no. Pregnant. And yeah. because the bed is so bad. And I'm like, how am I going to recover from a C-section? And the, it just kind of, that whole experience kind of took took the C-section off the table for me. It was and like then, a little reminder of what it's like to be laid up and on drugs. And, and the one nurse that I ended up connecting with there during that experience is another homeschooling mom that Aww. just, it, yeah, it just, it really felt like connected. And one of her last visits in, we started talking about delivery and stuff and come to find out she's a VBAC mom. Aww. So, 
right? So then I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm going to tell sign. him. like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I have this idea. And, then, and wow, she shut it down so fast. She Uh-oh. was like, you're going to die. People, you cannot physically do that. You know, your oh. uterus is going to rip. I was oh. like, oh, man. See why I don't talk to people. Yeah. Well, especially like know your audience, like not a nurse. <laughs> but uh, she's all V-backed proud and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, but I'm this sure is somebody will get it. But I'm sure she v in her hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was all, it was like your med wife, you know, yeah. it was all, it was a Bummer. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, so obviously the medical world hasn't really changed their viewpoints on so then the idea to find a medical professional who's like yeah birth at home that's totally safe like that is not how they are wired at all you know yeah clearly (laughs) clearly so then the option became now i'm looking at like labor and then call an ambulance you know when i'm pushing or labor in the hospital parking lot and go in and then then I was just like, why am I making this so complicated? Why don't I just have him? Why don't I just let it roll? And so, you know, that became the ultimate decision was just kind of, and, and not that I ever really took like the ambulance trip off the table or sure. any of that, but the main plan became to, to just go with it and see what happened. So that's what we did. So tell me your free birth story. All right. So... Saturday morning, I'm I'm 40 weeks plus one. Friday was my due date, so now we're Saturday morning. It's like 10:45-ish, and we're getting ready to leave the house in the morning to run errands. And you know, as as all good uh, married couples do, we're having a conversation as I'm using the toilet to leave, and I just kind of stopped, and we both we both heard it, and we just kind of <laughs> locked eyes. Yeah, and it was like, was it? And I was like, I stood up, and it just gushed, oh, and it was wow. like, yeah, it was. It was just a super surreal moment. Again, kind of like a movie or a kind. It was just, it was really so special. You know, looking back at it now, it was just really a moment. And kind of like, you know, the gun shooting in the air in the start of the race. (laughs) It was time to go, although it wasn't (laughs) as as the story unfolded. Um, So there was some blood in my water and that kind of... um, it didn't really concern me, but it just made me think that I should make sure that this is not abnormal. Mm. It wasn't blood in the water, but it was like blood stained tinged mm-hmm. water. Well, and that is a really good example of if you don't know that's normal, that's a little freaky, you know, but it's actually completely normal and, you know, it happens to everybody and bloody show is very normal and you know, right. blood, blood and mucus come out, but we do not know our basic anatomy. Anatomy. You know? <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. So what did you do? Did you like check in on the indie birth group or did you have, yeah, That's exactly. I jumped, you know, I did what we all do nowadays. I jumped on mm-hmm. Facebook nice. and, uh, yeah. And well, right thank away God they, for that group, you know, you just, again, through the journey, I, I, I found that I had to build my tribe and I had to mm-hmm. change the way that I viewed that tribe to look. It didn't have to be a mom and a sister and a, you know, a grandmother standing behind me saying, you know, you can do this. I had yeah. to kind of build it differently. Yeah. Um, I think that's so, true for a lot of free birthing women, you know, that I've talked to around the country and in Canada and Australia where they'll say the only supportive people on their team is our Facebook group. 
you know, that they don't, they don't have anybody else in their life who thinks this is normal and safe and healthy and, you know, yeah, exactly. Reframing what your tribe can look like and kind of taking what we can get, you know, virtually, you know, thank God we have that option right now. Really? Because then what, what are our resources? If not that, you know, if you don't have a midwife and you don't have these online groups, you're really left to kind of trust the medical world again, I guess, you know, call and and what are they going to tell you? Oh, come in, let us check it out. Yeah, of course. Okay. So you go on there and everyone's like, it's normal. I'm sure. Yep. Yep. Don't worry about it. Congratulations. Have fun. (laughs) Enjoy, enjoy your birth. Hmm. So now in my head, I'm like, right on. I'm having a baby by dinner. Like (laughs) this is going to be great. Yeah, no. So, So, oh man, I don't know how I never, uh, experienced, adult diapers before this pregnancy, but hallelujah. And how do I get me some more? Like that was fantastic. Strapped on one of those bad boys and went about my day. With oh, with fluid. the leaking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leaking all day. Uh-huh. You know, we go and get pizza for the kids and wings stop for later. We can heat the wings up, come home and I'm just sitting around and I'm just excited. And it is really like nothing. I'm having contractions but they're like every 20 to 25 minutes and they're not, you know, I know they're there, but they're nothing. They're nothing basically, you know, it felt, it felt like nothing was happening, but obviously things were happening. Mm -hmm. So bedtime comes and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to be one of those very lucky women that wake up and there's a head between my legs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's all done. Right. This is my, I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I woke up in the next morning and nothing Mm -hmm. still having the contractions still leaking. Um, yeah, nothing. It's just, it's very similar to the day before. Um, so we go run errands, get more, you know, easy food for the, for the kids, uh, come home. I started to like walk up and down our stairs. You know, everyone tells you walk, but really I was just kind of tired and moody and it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like I should be doing anything I didn't want to be doing. Yeah. And it, it didn't feel like that was going to help my mindset at all. Isn't know? that, isn't that the lesson of this whole birth though for you? Oh even, yeah. Even with quit firing the OB and all of that. Yeah. I, I mean, really, it just was so the whole thing, it, it happened exactly how it, it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. So you're doing so, stairs, but you're like not into it. Yeah, I'm like over. I went up and down like twice, and I'm like, get me a lemon cupcake and let's put on the reality <laughs> TV again. Like, this is not working. So then I'm like, as the day's going on, now, you know, I'm over 24 hours, you know, pushing 30 hours with my water broken. And even in amongst, you know, free birthers and, and other communities, even that now to, to some is, you know, something to, to take heed of and, and, and to, you know, look at. So I think, you know, that little voice kind of flipped on Mm -hmm. in my head again. That's like, okay, well maybe ding, there's something you should be looking at, you know, were you monitoring your temperature? You know, not, not with the thermometer, but I knew to, to stay hydrated. And I knew that the fluid would replenish it. All the things that, you know, you've read it, they're in there, but still that little voice kind of, kind of, you know, it's whispering. But I think more than anything, I was just, I was ready to meet my son. I was ready to have this experience. I was ready to just be done with the whole thing. You know, the pregnancy was hard from the beginning. Mm. So as the hours kind of ticked on, I became a little more agitated and not friendly and 
just the kids, I think, were feeding off that energy. So they started <laughs> kind of bickering at each other. So I think it was probably mm, like 7, 8 o'clock. I said, that's it. You guys go to bed. I'm done listening to you guys fight. Started, you know, bickering with my husband. Like, that's it. I'm done. I want to mm-hmm. go to the hospital. I just want to have the C-section. I, you know, this isn't, it's not happening right. And as, like, these things are happening, again, now here, looking back, I can see the contractions are now, I'm not even noticing it's happening, but the contractions are now becoming closer together. I was going to say, you sound, you getting all irritable and like scratchy makes me think your labor is picking up. (laughs) That's what it was. And I, but I didn't recognize the song. I'm just like, I'm turning into super bitch at this Uh point. Like get away from me, get me, you know, I'm like, go away. Now come hug me. Now I want a cupcake. Why did you bring me a cupcake? I want to go to the hospital. That's me on a normal, that's me on a normal day. (laughs) Magnify it times 10 and that's labor. Oh, man. So then I said something smart to him, like, you know, because he's telling me you don't want to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, you don't want me to go to the hospital. This is more your dream than my dream. Oh, God. You know, (laughs) everything in the world was his fault. Totally. For sure. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going upstairs to take a bath. You know, that's nice. Yeah. I'm like, that's it. And I just stomped my way upstairs in the bathtub and. The second I got in the bathtub, it was like the show The show was on. Mm. So they just started coming. Like they went from 20 minutes. You know, I'm still downstairs. They're probably five to ten minutes apart. And now I'm upstairs and they're like three to five minutes apart in the bathtub. And now I'm just pissed at the world. Like this hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going from the bathtub to the toilet. And everything, I'm just riding on instinct. I'm not, like, really thinking. I'm just, I mean, I literally would be like, I want to get in the tub. I would step in the tub, and then I would just step back out and go hands and knees in the bed. And still not even putting it together, like, this is real. Like, he's coming. Like, this is it now, you know? Like, I'm just thinking things are still not working right. I don't know. So at some point, probably, like, 930 now we're like every two, a contraction's ending and I'm like taking a breath and the contraction's starting again and I'm cussing and I'm screaming and I'm, I'm asking for a wild time. woman. Oh yeah. She's rearing I mean, her head again. So many years I'm, later, <laughs> give, give me an ambulance or give me a gun. I don't care. Somebody <laughs> give me something. <laughs> like That's it. So oh, then man. being pissed off and stubborn. Now I'm in the bathtub and I just laid back and I said, you know what? I looked at Justin and I said, I, I don't even care anymore. I got to take the biggest crap of my nice. life and I'm going to sit right here in this tub and you're going <laughs> to clean it up when I'm done and then I'm going to get back in the tub. Like, I was so mad at you. You're him like, and after I minute. take this big crap, I'm going to go get my C-section. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what I said. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. And for some reason, intuitively, he looked. He just, nice. He just happened to look and he's like, babe, something's, he's like, wait, nice. no, I think that's a head. And I just lay back and he's like, and I just felt this need to like push and Mm. I pushed and you're in the bath. I'm in the bath and I'm on my back, not hands and knees. And his head comes out and him, me, I don't know. He was just like instinctively, he was like, you need to get into a different position inside myself. I knew I needed to get into a different Mm. position. So I just kind of in one breath flipped Mm -hmm. So that I was kind of kneeling, not kneeling, but squatting, but not both legs the same height. So it was like one leg was higher than the other. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I was squatting, but kind of like a lunge, kind of. 
Kind of, but my feet were still side by side. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like one leg all the way extended and one leg bent. Oh, yeah. And I can then, see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then one more push and he just flew out. Like flew out. <laughs> I, like somebody said, time to go. Boom. And he just. Into like, the tub, was, into the water. I was kind of, what's I, oh, I was standing over the water. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the water at this point when I did that flip I was standing over the water and then I'm trying to pull him straight up to me like holy shit I just did this I cannot believe I just did this and Justin's like stop stop because he had the cord around his neck Mm. and I'm not even hearing him Mm -hmm. he's then he had to get serious and like get in my face stop pulling him took the cord off and then it was just I mean we just sat there in silence like looking at each other Mm -hmm. looking at him looking he was covered that was one thing he came out in a bath of meconium, mm. like everywhere. I was covered. He was covered. It was everywhere. But it seemed like it just happened right. when he was being squeezed, like it was all fresh. So uh, we just looked, you know, kept an eye out for infection or anything like that. But he was fine. And so he we never... started up right away and was breathing. And Yeah, he was breathing. He was quiet. He didn't cry right away. And he didn't pink up as fast as I thought I remembered during the C-sections, but nobody was like rubbing him or like, you know, shaking him telling him, you know, hurry up. So he did, there was no cause for concern. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the moment is actually hazy. Just the feeling is very present, but I remember not, I remember knowing that this was something that could be of concern, looking at him, checking him out and feeling like there's no concern. And it was just, yeah, it was just so, Hmm. And for like the next two days, all we could say to each other, we would just pass each other and like <laughs> grin at each other, like oh, shit, we did it. Like it was all we could say. Oh. I mean, and still, even like walking past the bathtub, it's just you. That's mm. all I can picture there now. It's just, oh. it was crazy and it was so intense and it, it just really summed up kind of our lives and the, mm-hmm. the story behind the journey and mm-hmm. it. It just, it was, it was. I don't, I don't know that there's a word for it, what it was. Victorious. Yeah, it felt that way. Yeah, and it, healing and badass. It, it, it felt all of those things. <laughs> so how now, how many weeks postpartum are you? Oh, shit. How you old know, is by baby, by baby six, you're like, I don't know, there's somewhere between conception <laughs> and death. I don't know, or graduation. <laughs> so like... 10 weeks, maybe 11 weeks. Okay. So this wasn't that long ago. July 16th. Okay. Wow. Uh, And so how was your recovery? How did it feel to go through a vaginal birth at home and uh, your partner getting to be there? And my kids, they didn't have to wait hours and they didn't have to follow rules and Mm. they didn't have to ask to hold their brother, you know, and it just, uh, we came, you know, we woke up the big girls first upstairs and they were just awestruck. We had set up a camp downstairs. Um, the, the TV was down here and it just made sense to have the camp down here. So the two little ones were downstairs. I can't believe the bigger ones didn't hear it. Cause I was right. screaming like a freaking <laughs> crazy human yep. and they had no idea. They came in, they were just blown away and so happy. And it mm. was just they helped weigh them. We, you know, we did, 
we made cord ties and we Aww. tied his cord and waited. We waited and then we tied it and it was a whole family thing. Aww. So uh, was, was, was he born in the evening? Yeah, 11.37 at night. Okay. And then the girls, you woke them up like in the middle of the night or something? Like minutes after he was born. Oh, okay. it was. They were just, yeah, they were right there. He was still naked and yeah. How does your body, how has your body felt in recovery? Like, you don't even know what you're missing. Like, I tried tried to say this earlier. You don't even know what you're missing when you have the surgical birth because you don't even know what it's like to not physically be recovering from surgery and trying to bond with your baby and trying. Breastfeeding has been, I've never been able to breastfeed for longer than a couple weeks because it was, you know, the scar, the incision hurt, everything yeah. just hurt. I think emotionally it hurt. I don't know. Yeah. Just never. And now it's like at this point in all my other babies, I was already long on to bottles and formula. And I would even, you know, I would instantly pump before so that I could get a relief and time to sleep and heal. And now it's like he's never had a bottle. He, I don't even want to even – it's so easy and it's so beautiful and it's so natural. And I just don't want to even introduce an interruption to that, you know, to be home. So we come downstairs after we've cleaned up and I showered and he's clean. Hmm. And the two little ones are down here. And my four year old, she's such an old soul and just a little, little spitfire. She she just hears us coming down and she wakes up and we're like, Blakely, Blakely, guess what? Bex is here. And she looked and she kind of like nodded, like half sleeping. And then her eyes opened really big, like it hit her. And ever since then, she will not leave this guy alone. She's like glued to him. And just to see that instant connection mm-hmm. and not the first time they see their sibling be through a picture, you know, from the hospital room. It's yeah. Just, it's it's brought our family closer together it's it's done a lot mm-hmm. for one for one experience but it's not one experience it's a culmination of mm-hmm. many experiences and yeah it can heal a whole family <laughs> especially one that's been through we started out very young so there's been so many transformative moments and and intersections and you know so many times we could have gone right when we went left or or vice versa and so many times we could have given up on you know and just it's a lot and it's a lot to be there and to look back and be like all of that was for this moment for this something you know Mm -hmm. and and for the moments that are to come but it's it's a total payoff for the work of of relationships so how would you say this has changed you as a woman. Uh, uh, I would say that I'm still very much processing that. Um, you know, the immediate change is that I, I definitely feel more powerful. I feel more for feel more able to trust myself and to to just to know, you know. I don't always have to second guess, and I don't always. I can as crazy as the idea might seem it's it's totally valid and you know it's worth exploring and I just feel more confident I've always been a risk I mean obviously we sold our house and moved across the country in you know three weeks 
and even crazier, that's the second time we've done it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've never been afraid to take risks, but I've, I think I've always had this whispering fear of if you fail, like you're going to be a failure, you know, like I had to make everything work and I, I had to have all the answers and I had to have a plan and I, 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 I'm feeling more able to just trust a process and trust that, that having the answer doesn't always look like having the answer that knowing that you're in the right direction or feeling like you're in the right energy space or feeling like, you know, all of that is, is as good as a definite answer, like C-section or free birth or vaginal birth, knowing that I'm, I'm okay with trusting where I'm at with it in that moment is okay too. I don't know. It's it's a lot still processing, Mm -hmm. but I definitely, I feel more confident in my ability to just to really trust myself and not just kind of be like, well, I'm going to do it and hope for the best, you know, I, I feel yeah, like. And, it, and then, I mean, your, your situation is definitely an example of where having a sixth C-section and all that that comes with, not just physically, but emotionally, actually, when it sounds like when you tallied everything up in your heart, actually felt more risky you know, to you and your family and, and your emotional well-being than the potential risks of settling in a home and trying another way. And I really came to find out that, like, the risks of a vaginal birth are the risks of a vaginal birth, regardless of the a C-section or the amount of C-sections. There's risks in the C-sections. There's risks in the vaginal Everything's birth. There's risk. risk. Right. And there's risk in safe. eating cereal for breakfast. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Nothing's safe. There's risk in everything. It's all about assessing the risks, you know, to what is comfortable for you, you know. And, right. and, like, for me, I feel like the risks of how I would be treated in a hospital are much more dangerous for me than the risks of birthing at home an hour away from a hospital. I'm like, sign me up for that because those risks I am more comfortable with. And that is not the case for a lot of people. And that's of course, completely fine. (sighs) Wow. What a story, girlfriend. Thanks for letting me say it out loud. It's nice to, to say it to somebody other than myself in my head. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to hear it. You know, I think, There are so, 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 so many women who are going to hear this and will resonate with your story and the position, you know, that, that, that you've been put in. I mean, I have women all this time tell me I had a C-section, you know, turns out for non-medical reasons, and now I can't find anyone to support me to have a vaginal birth, you know, so I'm going to free birth and I'm, I'm scared and I don't know, you know, I just don't have any other option. You know, it's not, I think a lot of women who are VBAC free birthing aren't doing it like fearless, fearlessly. They're doing it because they cannot have another C-section. They just know. And so stories like this, where you had a very normal and kind of comical, you know, birth, (laughs) birth, you know, at home, you know, and, and it's just, it's, 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 it's important. It's a simple story and it's important. For people to hear, you know, we, we have it in our group a lot. We have a lot of women ask about, you know, who here has had multiple C-sections. I'm trying to find one woman to tell me that they did it. You know, it's like, you know what that indie birth group did for you and what our group is doing for other women. And, you know, it's, it's hard accessing 
all this confidence and self-validation with nobody else around. It's hard. And so we build these virtual villages and we have things like this podcast and, you know, we, we make friends with people on the internet, you know, because we're just looking for somebody to, to validate, you know, what we already know to be true when everything else in our life is going against it. Totally, totally accurate. And it is, it's, I made a, a connection with one woman in particularly that had a vaginal birth after four C-sections. And it was like, she was my Clark Kent, you know, she was my mythical creature. Totally. And it was like to have her on, you know, a physical playing field and I could see her and touch her and communicate with her was all the difference in the world. Yep. And she just had her third vaginal birth after nice. four C-sections. Well, you're going to be that superwoman for other women now. It's just so cool. I mean, I hope you shout your story from the rooftops and, and you know, your 10 weeks postpartum so you will continue to process this and heal this and, you know, navigate the story for a long, long time. I hope you just continue to share it and continue to bask in the power that you cultivated within yourself with this little guy. It's so mm. beautiful and special and I mean, what a way to take your life into your own hands, you know, and declare your own authority over your own experience. And it's just so special. Thank you so much. And I think the part that I'm most proud about or that I, I, I find the most healing is, is that I gave this experience to my daughters and that they got to see see it all from the beginning that you don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to be 100% and you don't have to, you just have to keep going anyway, you know, mm -hmm. and keep, keep trusting yourself. And that's, I think really that's, I gave it back to them. And if they never have to have a C-section and they never have to feel like they don't have a voice or they don't have that power, then I've done what I feel like my mission, you know, I, I I'm, I'm happy to help anyone along the journey, but really my, my obligation is to them. And of I course. feel like I fulfilled that obligation by, by giving them this experience. I mean, yeah, a, a, a mother who is in her power and is demonstrating her own intuition and authority to her daughters. I mean, what a gift, right? That's just not something that a lot of us were modeled and birth can really change that in a woman and in a family. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you so Seriously. much. Thank you. What a victory. That's such an awesome story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having groups like this and having, you know, having a village for people to go and find their members because it's, it's important. It's important work. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.